Good morning. Hope everybody's doing well. Hope your air conditioner is nice and cold at your house. I hope it's working. It's gotten hot, I do believe. Uh, So uh, a little over a year ago, we were getting ready to move from Washington State to Arkansas, and uh, we had these little fans that were about that tall, and they would kind of, you know, oscillate that were in the room, and and we had four or five of them. We had them kind of stacked up in a row, and uh, my oldest son, Cade, he said, Dad, what are you doing with those fans? I said, well, we're getting ready to get rid of them. He said, why are we getting rid of them? I said, because we're moving. He said, but Dad, we're moving to Arkansas. Like, I know. He's like, it's hot there. I said, I know. And uh, he just was trying to figure out what in the world we would be doing and getting rid of these fans. And um, I said, uh, son, I know it's really hot there, but we'll have an air conditioner there. And he said, you're telling me that every home in Arkansas has an air conditioner. (laughs) And I said, yes, or you die, right? (laughs) Not even kidding, uh, maybe 10% of the homes in Washington State uh, have air conditioners. It just, a really hot day would be like 85 and that would be a very hot day, and so I'm really thankful for air conditioners that blow really, really cold. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the room. We are so glad that you've uh, chosen to be here today to worship Jesus. And men, we want you to know that we are for you. We are for you. Um, we want you to keep going. Don't stop. Don't stop following Jesus. Don't stop loving your wives. Don't stop loving your children Don't stop. Keep going. Keep going. So much is depending on you. In fact, I just want you to know that as we meet as pastors, uh, you men are on our minds so often because we as men, as husbands and as fathers, we understand the weight that is upon you. And so we pray for you. And so today in particular on Father's Day, we want to cheer you on and we want to encourage you. In fact, what we're talking about this morning has so much to do with you. You say, well, what are you talking about? I'm so glad that you ask. We are still in our series called We Will Follow. Men, fathers, everything we're talking about today, everything we've talked about the two weeks prior, and that we'll continue to talk about in this series, We Will Follow, is so for you. We've been talking about following Jesus, and we've been talking about helping others find and follow Jesus. We've been talking about being a disciple of Jesus and helping others to become disciples. And you may be hearing that and saying, okay, well, really, what does that have to do with me being a dad, being a husband, everything? In fact, as we sat around the room a few weeks ago as pastors and we were uh, working on and preparing towards this sermon uh, series, I uh, ask uh, our pastors a, a, a challenging question, a hard question. And the question was, who are you discipling? And so we went around the room and everybody was really, really honest, even though uh, it just wasn't an easy question to answer. And we got around the room and everybody had given their answers. And I looked at them and I said, all of your answers are correct. I'm sure you've been honest with me, but your answers are incomplete. And I reminded our pastors of what they knew. They know it, but they just didn't say it. And maybe some of you men in this room, you know it, but you just don't think about it very often. Or maybe you don't know it, and you really need to know this. Men, fathers, you are discipling your wife and your children. Let me say that again. Fathers, you are discipling your children. 
You are pouring into them. You are showing them something. And the idea that we want you to really get is that we're supposed to be following Jesus. And they will see us following Jesus and imitate us following Jesus. We want you to be discipling your children as you're following Jesus. It's God's call on our lives. In fact, it's God's call on all of our lives. Maybe asking the question, well, then how do, I, how do I do that? Well, again, this call that God's put upon me as a father and as a husband is the same call that he's given to every believer. And I'll even go further than that. I believe that the call that we're talking about is for every single human being. I think that when Jesus says, come, follow me, he's talking to every single person that he has created. This is his plan and his purpose for your life, whether you're already someone who's placed your faith and trust in Christ yet or not. This is God who created you, his plan for you and your life. This is his plan. And so why would I follow Jesus? Well, let me give you some reasons why we would trust and why we would follow Jesus. Because he died in our place on the cross He predicted that after he died, he would only stay in the grave three days and that he would come back from the dead, and he did. Do I need to keep going? I will. He created you. He sustains you. He provides for you. If you eat today, it's because he provided it. If you're healthy enough to be here today, it's because he provided that health for you. If you have relationships, he has provided them for you. Everything that we have is from and through him, and he invites you and I to follow him. Well, how we begin this being a disciple is by repenting of our sin. It's by trusting in Christ to take away our sin and to become our Savior, understanding that he is the only one. And then from there on saying, okay, Jesus, what do you want me to do now? And from there on we say, okay, well, Jesus, I see in your word that if I've trusted you, I'm supposed to tell the world. And one of the ways that we tell the world is through baptism. And so when you get baptized, when you go under the water representing the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus, when you you show this picture of your sins being washed and cleaned and you being coming back up new again, you're following Jesus. And as Jesus tells you to do things, you do them. That's what following Jesus looks like. That's why we trust him. That's why we follow him because he's done everything for us. And then we make disciples by sharing what we've learned from Jesus and what he has done in us. So Jesus predicted his death. And before he died, he said, hey, I want you to be my followers. Then he came back from the dead. And we looked at this last week. But in Matthew chapter 28, which is where we're going to be again today. Jesus says, after coming back from the dead. He says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Matthew chapter 28, beginning in verse number 18. Jesus came and told his disciples... I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And we talked about this last week, but oh, I want you to catch this. The reason why Jesus has so much authority is because he died in our place and he came back from the dead, okay? That's why he has so much power. Goes on to say in verse number 19, Therefore, go and make, notice that word make, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, and be sure of this, 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So in verse number 19, we see this word make. And I really spent a lot of time thinking about this word make. And I want to give you some phrases that we use quite often that have to do with the word make to help you and I understand that we really understand what it means to make something in the context that Jesus is calling to make disciples here in Matthew 28. Um, let me just give you a few for instances. Uh, we make a home. All right, We understand what it means to make a home. Uh, when you make a home, kind of the natural result of that is you make a family, right? That's what you do. You make a home, you make a family. How about this one? This one's manly. Make fire. Right? Make fire. Uh, make the team. Make the shot. Make the save. Make the grade. Make honor roll. Make a living. Make it happen. Make memories. And now in that low, raspy voice that you have to be thinking about, if you're a real man right now, you've got to be thinking about this face and this voice saying, go ahead, make my day. <laughs> right? This is what we're talking about when we're using this word, make. All right, how about this one? Make dinner. Well, now you're all distracted, right? How about this one? This one really kind of takes it to another level. Make chicken and dumplings. My wife can make chicken and dumplings. Mmm, I'm distracted. I'm totally distracted. I thought about having her make some and then me bring them and like eat them in front of you, but I thought that would be torture, so I didn't do that. Now, let me give you some things that are in common with all of these phrases that we used for the word make, the same word that Jesus is using here in Matthew 28. All of these things that we talked about making here, they have these things in common. It's hard. If you're going to make a home and make a family, make a living, if you're going to make the team, if you're going to make the grade, if you're going to make the dumplings, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be challenging. It's going to take effort. It's going to take sacrifice. It's going to take practice. It's going to take the right ingredients. It's also going to take getting messy. Listen, if you're doing anything that's worth it in life, it involves getting messy. When it comes to obeying Jesus and making what he has called us to make, it's not going to be easy. It is going to be hard. It is going to take practice. It is going to take effort. It is going to involve getting messy. When we talk about making disciples, we're talking about life on life. We're talking about relationships. And relationships, no matter how good they are, always involve a mess. If you're married, it's messy. If you're parenting, it's messy. If you go to work and you function with other people, it's messy. Life is messy. And when it comes to making disciples, just like all these other things that, we're called, that we make, um, when we're called to make disciples, it gets messy. But I would say this, homemade chicken and dumplings, totally worth it. Totally worth it. Think about how much greater of a level we're talking about here when we talk about making disciples. Helping someone to realize their sin 
the sacrifice and the redemption that's available in Jesus, how they can turn from their sin and now follow him and experience life in the way that God has called them to experience life. Sin brings destruction. It's just what it does. And if you think it doesn't, keep on sinning, and I will just tell you that eventually it's going to bring destruction. But Jesus says, I'm bringing life, and I'm bringing life more abundantly, and that's what he's called you and I to help others to experience by making disciples. The big idea I want you to get, and I'm going to come back to it over and over again, and that is this. Making disciples is the supernatural overflow of being a disciple. Making disciples is the supernatural overflow of being a disciple. Now, a lot's being said in this phrase right here, in this sentence right here. Let's look at the bottom and understand that if I'm going to make disciples, I've got to what? I've got to be a, come on, I've got to be a, so if I'm going to do what Jesus has told me to do, I've got to first do what Jesus has told me to do. The first thing he did is he said, follow me and be my disciple. Now he's telling me to make disciples. Okay, well, I can't make disciples if I'm not a disciple. So some of us in this room are struggling maybe with even some guilt. Um, we're struggling with some ineptness, if you will. And the reason why you're struggling with it as you hear these ideas of we will follow and everything we're teaching and proclaiming, because you realize that you have never really started being a disciple of Jesus yourself. So when we talk about making disciples, you're like, ah, I can't do that. Let me tell you something. Making disciples is the supernatural overflow of being a disciple. If you really start following Jesus, guess what will happen supernaturally? You will start helping other people follow Jesus. So first and foremost, I've got to be a follower of Jesus. First and foremost, you've got to be a follower of Jesus. Dads, if you want your children to follow Jesus, guess what you've got to do? Follow Jesus. I didn't say come to church when you feel like it. I said follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. And guess what happens as we follow Jesus? Other people start following Jesus. It's the supernatural overflow. It's just what happens when you start following Jesus. You help other people follow Jesus. Look at Mark chapter 1 and verse 17. It's going to be, on the, ES, it's going to be in the ESV. Um, this is early on in Jesus' ministry. And he says to them, the guys that are hanging out with him, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, he's talking to a group of fishermen, so he's taking what they do for a living and he's spiritualizing it, if you will. He's, he's helping them to understand that, that we're going to take what you're doing right now and we're going to do something greater with it. So he's using language that they understand. And I know some of you in this room, you love to fish. I don't know if anybody gets paid to fish or not. That's pretty cool if you do. Um, but most of us in this room, we're, we're not paid fishermen. Uh, if you're a fisherman, you do it for fun or, uh, you know, to prove to everybody else that you can catch a bigger one than they can, right? But you understand the idea there. But for most of us in the room, we're, we don't fish a lot. We, we're not fishermen. And so he's speaking their language. But he's saying to them, listen, if you follow me, I'm going to make you become fishers of men. I am going to do something in you that you cannot do for yourself. I'm going to make you into something that you cannot do, but it will happen if you follow me. The moment I choose to follow Jesus and to keep following him, 
he starts making me into something that I cannot be in and of myself. The moment that you decide to start following Jesus and you continue to follow Jesus, Jesus is going to make you into something that you cannot become in and of yourself. Some of you are husbands in this room, your fathers in this room, your mothers in this room, your wives in this room. You've got all these responsibilities in life and all these things, and you're trying to become the one that you need to be. Guess what you and I need to be focused on? Not being the best husband, not being the best father. We need to be focused on being the best follower of Jesus that we possibly can be. And guess what will happen is I become the best follower of Jesus, and Jesus makes me into something that I cannot be in and of myself. I'll become the best husband that I possibly can be. I'll become the best father that I possibly can be. I'll become the best discipler that I possibly can be. That's what Jesus says. You start following me, and I'm going to make you into something that you cannot become in and of yourself. This is not grit your teeth. I'm going to do something to impress everybody with my Christianity. This is humbling yourself and saying, Jesus, you died for me. Jesus, you rose again. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I'm going to do what you tell me to do. Whoa, wait a minute, 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 wait a minute. Did we just suggest that you've got to do what Jesus tells you to do? In order to be his follower? Yeah. And that's the rub for some of us. We don't want anybody or anything telling us what to do. But here's the reality. Man, woman, boy, girl, doesn't make any difference. You need Jesus telling you what to do. We do. Why? Because he knows what's best for us. We make goofy, selfish decisions in and of ourselves, and he's calling us to something greater. Think about this for just a moment. This supernatural just happening that takes place when we follow Jesus, that we will automatically just start making disciples supernaturally when we decide to be a disciple. Think about the early church for just a second. The group of believers that Jesus was talking to here, and he said, hey, go and make disciples. What did they do? If you read the rest of the scripture, I'll tell you what they did. They went and they made disciples. And they did it without something that all of us have incredible access to today. I'll let you think about it for just a moment. What could possibly be the one thing that we have incredible access to today that the early believers in the early church did not have access to. Does anybody think about that and got an answer for me? What would it be? Somebody said it. God's Word. They did not have what I'm holding in my hands. If you've got a phone, you can bring it up right now. You've probably got several copies of these stacked up at your house. And you, you don't know what to do with them. And, you know, they didn't have the written Word of God. The Old Testament would have been completed. Big scrolls would have been held at the temples and some of the synagogues. They would have hidden a lot of God's word in their heart as they were kids growing up learning the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They had to memorize those. But the New Testament, they would have had zero access to because the New Testament wasn't written and finished till nearly 90 A.D. 
And Jesus is giving this commandment in about 33 AD. Go and make disciples. So they went forth with what they had. And they made disciples. They made disciples. Look at another verse of scripture in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. Now Jesus told them, hey, go and make disciples. And then he said, I want you to hang on for a minute. Don't go right now. Hang on. Wait till everything is ready. It's almost as if he was looking at Peter. And if you know anything about the scriptures at all, you know, Peter was this boneheaded, just fly off the handle, say whatever he's thinking, blow it kind of guy. Peter blew it so many times. Anybody else in the room encouraged just a little bit to know that? I am. And he says to his guys, to his followers, to his people, hey, I want you to go and make disciples, but I want you to hang on just a minute. I want to give you something that you desperately need before you go out here and you fall on your face. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8. He says, but you will receive power when the, say it with me, when the what? The Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so God gives us what we need. He gave the early church what they needed. He gave them the Holy Spirit, God's presence living inside of us to fill us, control us, guide us, direct us, empower us to do what he's called us to do. He said, I don't want you to do this on your own. I want to give you what you need. Well, maybe you're thinking, okay, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying, but I'm, I'm struggling to track and get excited about this because you're talking about life change for me. And this, this just means that everything kind of shifts and changes for me. And besides that, I don't know how to do what you're talking about right now. Even if I'm, I'm kind of grasping it right now and I'm kind of getting it and wanting it, I don't know how to do what you're saying we need to do right now. I need more tools. I, I need more resources. I need more helps, if you will. And yet the early church went out on the command and the call of Jesus and they made disciples without having copies of the Bible. They made disciples. How did they? How did they do it? How did they make disciples? Listen to me. They followed Jesus. I know that just sounds just too complicated, right? They followed Jesus. I'm going to say it one more time because I, I think some of you think that there's more to They followed Jesus. And guess what happened? They made more followers of Jesus. They showed others how to follow Jesus. The Holy Spirit empowered them. And they began to make disciples. And making disciples is the supernatural overflow of being disciples. As I was wrestling with this and thinking about this and praying about this and preparing for this, I had a really good friend come by of ours on Tuesday. If you haven't met him yet, you're going to get to meet him in October when he comes to visit our church. But I think we got a picture coming on the screen. Um, that guy in the black shirt, his name is Chase Reynolds. Chase Reynolds is a missionary to the Yefta people in Indonesia. 
And as we were sitting there talking, and I, I, I know his story and I know what's going on with him, but it just didn't click with me until he was standing there and me talking with him. And what really made it happen even more is we got some boxes of Bibles in. There's some boxes of Bibles back there in our office, boxes of Bibles. And I pulled one out, and I was about to say something to Josh or whoever was hanging out with us there about distributing those Bibles, and I closed my mouth and I set the Bible down and I kept my mouth shut. Let me tell you why. Because Chase Reynolds was standing there. Guess what Chase Reynolds is doing among the Yefta people? He is making disciples. Guess what he's doing it without? The written word of God. Well, how is he doing that? How is that possible? Let me tell you how he doesn't have the written word of God to use yet. Because the Yefta people don't even have a written language. And yet there he is in Indonesia making disciples. And we say things like, I need more training, I need more resources, I need more. Listen, listen, I'm not going to discount those things. And we're going to offer you some things that are going to be helpful to you. But I'm telling you that when you do like Chase has done and you follow Jesus, the supernatural outflow of that is going to be the making of disciples. That's what happened in the early church. It's what's happening today in Indonesia. And it's what's happening among us for those who are following Jesus. Wherever we're seeing disciples being made, it's because they're hanging out with disciples. Disciples make disciples. Disciples. It's just what God has intended and made to happen from within us. Making disciples is the supernatural outflow of being a disciple. Think about what all we've been given. Okay? Think about it for just a moment. We've been given the gospel. Do not let that word become little for you. Do not let that word become such common language that you miss the massiveness of it. We have been given the gospel. Church, I'm going to say it again because like right now, I'm preaching. We have been given the gospel. I'm going to say it a few more times. I don't want to repeat myself this morning, but it just seems like a repeat kind of day. We have been given the gospel. It's like five people over here that are getting it. We have been, let me back up just a minute. Do you understand what the gospel is? It is Jesus in all of his glory, leaving heaven, coming to live here among messy people like you and I, doing it perfectly, dying horrifically on a cross, and coming back from the grave so that we could conquer everything that is out there to defeat us like sin, death, hell, and the grave. We have been given the gospel. Man, about half of us are there. We have been given the gospel. Yes. We have this. We have what changes our lives and what changes our eternity. We've been given the gospel. We've been given the call. This call that we speak of to be a disciple and to make disciples, that call is upon you and it's a call that's upon me. It's a call that's upon us. And together we carry it out for his glory. This is what Jesus has called you to do. We've been given the word of God. How many copies do you have? 
most of us in this room would have to say, eh, I really don't know, right? I mean, we're kind of, we're kind of a Bible-saturated um, community. I mean, we just are. Well, like I got the Bible when I was baptized, and it's sitting over there, you know, and I got the Bible that, you know, I was given when, you know, my parents, you know, gave to me when I was eight. And I got this, you know, and we got them stacked up, and then I got this translation, and I got that translation, and, you know, we just got them stacked up. We've been given the Word of God. I wonder what the early believers would have done if we said, here is this for you, and it's in your language. And you can carry it around with you anywhere that you want to. I think they would have just, like, flipped out. I don't think they would have gone crazy. I think they would have worshipped God, and yet we haven't. We haven't. We've been given the Spirit of God, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the book of Ephesians tells us, lives inside of every believer. Think about that for a moment. The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. We've been given the people of God. The people sitting around you right now are a blessing. Tap somebody on the shoulder and say, you're a blessing to me. Go ahead, they're the people of God. Come on. Think about it for just a moment. What if you just showed up this morning, you were the only one? I'm not here either. You're the only one. I'm not saying you get preached to just, you know, I mean, you're the only one. Would you have been encouraged or discouraged this morning? Discouraged deeply, right? We've been given the people of God. We've been given the people who aren't yet the people of God. Listen to me. We've been given the people who aren't yet the people of God. You have friends, you have relatives, you have coworkers, you have neighbors who are people that God has created, that he wants to be his people, and they become his people when they place their faith in Jesus. And you've been given those people. And all of that makes up the ingredients that God has given you and God has given me to make disciples as we choose to follow Jesus. We don't have any excuses for not making disciples. We only have reasons. And the only reason why you and I not making disciples kind of comes back to whether or not we're following Jesus or not. Because making disciples is the supernatural outflow of being a disciple. Let's take what we've been given and help others follow Jesus. Jesus says to you, follow me. Jesus says to you, make disciples. What would happen if all of us followed Jesus? Here's some things that I think would happen if all of us followed Jesus. We would all treat each other with respect. We would all give each other grace. We would all constantly encourage each other. We would all pray for one another. We would all worship with high intensity, whether we know the song or not. Right? That new song this morning that threw y'all for a loop, right? I blew it like five times during the song. That's the reason why I sit up front. You know, I sit behind, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm not sitting behind you. I just let it go, and if I mess it, I miss it. And Keaton's up here like that guy, you know, right there. Anyway, sorry, Keaton. But I think we'd worship with a high intensity. Here's what I, if we all started following Jesus, we'd all get baptized. Listen, if you've never been baptized, that is a step of obedience in following Jesus. You're like, hey, I believe in Jesus. Great. Follow him in obedience through baptism. We'd all give liberally. 
We'd all go to work differently. We'd all go home differently. We'd all realize our kids playing baseball is bigger than our kids playing baseball. This next one makes me chuckle. We'd all realize grown men playing softball is bigger than grown men playing softball. All you grown men that play softball. My kids, for the first time this year, realized that grown men play softball. And they said, Dad, why do grown men play softball? And I told them why, and they had a pretty good laugh about it. Whoa, wait a minute. You're wondering why grown men play softball. It's because they didn't get paid to play baseball. (laughs) Right? Am I right? Okay. All the grown men that play softball don't like me now. It's bigger than playing softball. If we all follow Jesus, we'd all realize our reactions and our interactions with all people matter. Whether it's in person or on social media. Whether it's at work or at the ball field. Whether it's in the boardroom or in the living room. I think we'd all realize church is so much more. Church is so much more than showing up when we can to a building on Sunday morning. Let me tell you what would happen if all of us followed Jesus. We'd all make disciples. I want to see what that would look like. I want to see the impact that would have on our community. Where all of God's people decide, you know what, we're going to do what God's people do and we're going to follow Jesus. And the supernatural result of that is we're going to make disciples and let's just see what happens. Let's let God decide what that looks like. Let's let God decide the impact that that will have. But that's the call that he's placed on me and that's the call that he's placed on you. And that's the call that he's placed on us. So if you ask me this question, how do we make disciples. I will give you this simple answer. And yes, we're going to talk about it more and we're going to unpack it more. But I would say to you, the way you make disciples is by following Jesus. If you're a disciple, the supernatural outflow of that will be making disciples. Got some next steps for you to consider this morning. They're on the back side of your communication card. They're also going to be on the screen. Maybe your next step today is just to be a disciple of Jesus. Maybe the day is that day where you realize, you know what? I'm not a follower of Jesus. I mean, we're not saying you've never believed in Jesus. We're not saying you don't, you don't, you don't trust Jesus. You know, but today is just that moment where you're like, I'm not a follower. I'm not someone that listens to the teachings of Jesus And then the end result of that is me saying, yes, sir, I'll do what you told me to do. That's what a follower of Jesus looks like. Everything that Jesus reveals to him about himself, we in turn follow and imitate through his Spirit's power. And maybe for you today, 
being a disciple has not been a reality for you. Maybe you've never placed your faith, your trust in Christ, repenting of your sin and believing in him to be your savior. And you're not a disciple. We want to invite you to Jesus today. We want you to, to invite you to follow him today. Maybe you're like, you know what, I believed him a long time ago, but I have not been obeying him. I've not been a disciple. I've not been like Jesus, and that's the call that's on you this morning. We want you to respond. And then last, maybe you should start making disciples with what Jesus has given us. He's given us the gospel. He's given us the word of God. He's given us the spirit of God. He's given us the people of God. He's given us the people who aren't yet the people of God. He's given us all the ingredients. He says, I invite you to come into this. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be messy, but it's going to be worth it. I'm so thankful for people that came along in my life and they were willing to get messy with me and talk about sin. I'm, I'm so glad they came into my life, and even after I had confessed Christ as my Savior, they, they spoke truth into me, saying, you can't do that anymore, because that's not what Christ has called you to do. He's called you to do this. Guess what they were doing? They were discipling me. I'm so thankful for the people that followed Jesus in front of me, for them not just to tell me what to do, but to show me what to do. I'm a follower of Jesus today because of other followers of Jesus. And today, I want all of us to be followers of Jesus. Why? So a lot more people will be followers of Jesus. Maybe it's time for you to take what God's given you and to make disciples. And it all begins with you and I choosing to follow Jesus. Well, this is where we land this plane it's Father's Day. I don't know what you fathers were expecting to get today. And I don't know what those of you that came with your fathers were expecting to get today. And those of you that come every week were expecting to get today. This is one of those messages that, you know, it's like, you know, all nice and easy and fluffy and wonderful and pretty. And we go home and we say, thanks for the good word, right? No, it's not, right? What we heard today is like hard. Forget the parts that you didn't understand. Just take the parts that you understood this morning. It's hard. It's hard. We want to invite you today to follow Jesus. We want to invite you today to no longer go the direction you were going, but to go towards Jesus. Church, I want to invite you today to follow Jesus together so that we in turn can help others follow Jesus.